With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SubChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Shannon Van Sant, business editor of SubChina. It has been a good week for U.S. farmers who were worried about China sticking to their promises of buying more American agricultural produce. It has been possibly an even better week if you are a vegetarian living in China, and it has been a positively brilliant week for one Disney executive. With both the good news and the bad, here is what has been happening in China this week. China's annual political gathering, the two sessions, started last week. And the biggest economic news is, after much speculation, Premier Li Keqiang announced that China won't be setting a numerical GDP growth target for 2020, as the economy struggles to recover from the coronavirus crisis. This is the first time China has not set a numerical target since the policy started in 1990. However, Beijing did set other economic targets for the year, including consumer price index growth of around 3.5%, setting fiscal deficit as a percentage of GDP at 3.6%, creating more than 9 million new urban jobs, and an official urban unemployment rate of around 6%. U.S. farmers have reasons to be cheerful. China has continued to make progress in implementing agriculture-related provisions in the two countries' Phase 1 trade deal signed in January, two U.S. government agencies said, even as tensions have escalated between the pair in other areas and COVID-19 body slams both economies. Multiple U.S. agriculture products, including blueberries, barley, and other forage-related products, and California Haas avocados, can now be exported to China, the U.S. Department of Agriculture and U.S. Trade Representative's Office jointly announced Thursday. Additionally, in recent weeks, China has also expanded its list of U.S. facilities eligible to export beef, pork, poultry, seafood, dairy, and infant formula products to China, the statement said. If it's good news for American farmers... Australian farmers are less happy. China's Commerce Ministry levied tariffs of more than 80% on imports of barley from Australia last week, as tensions escalated between the two nations due to the pandemic. The tariffs follow an 18-month anti-dumping investigation that ruled subsidies on Australia's barley industry had harmed China's domestic markets. 
Australian Trade Minister Simon Birmingham fired back against China's judgment, saying it had, quote, errors both in law and fact, calling them politically motivated due to the coronavirus. China's foreign ministry has denied its investigation of Australian barley producers was politically motivated. It is still an uphill struggle for people outside of China trying to enter the country. Beijing has all but banned the vast majority of foreign nationals from entering the country, but even for the lucky few who are allowed in, as well as the Chinese nationals who want to return home, they are facing serious practical problems of trying to book flights. China's civil aviation regulator said the March policy to limit the number of international flights will remain in place. Under the restrictions designed to contain the COVID-19 outbreak, each carrier can operate only one flight linking China and another country and can fly just once a week. Several foreign carriers applied to increase their flights into China, but none has received approval, sources said. Swiss-based food giant Nestle has announced plans to build its first plant-based food factory in China with an investment worth 100 million Swiss francs, or approximately $104 million. The announcement comes as the price of pork has rocketed due to the African swine fever outbreak and China's meat-free market, which includes meat substitutes, is expected to reach $11.9 billion by 2023. That's according to a CNBC report, citing statistics from market research firm Euromonitor. In April, coffee chain Starbucks unveiled a vegetarian menu featuring beef and pork alternative products from imitation meat makers Beyond Meat and Omnipork for its China locations. Meanwhile, fast food chain KFC also announced it's trialing its veggie chicken nuggets in the country with U.S. agricultural giant Cargill. The U.S. has added another 33 Chinese companies and organizations to an economic blacklist over allegations they violated human rights and pose a threat to U.S. national security, the nation's Department of Commerce announced on Friday. The blacklisted firms are effectively barred from purchasing products and services from U.S. companies unless the American firms first obtain a government license. The entities targeted are mostly research organizations and companies in surveillance, artificial intelligence, and cybersecurity. They include Chihu 360, a major Chinese cybersecurity firm, and Cloudwalk, a Shanghai-based cloud startup. Analysts Caixin spoke to said the move might not have any sizable impact on the companies as some of the firms have already diversified their suppliers after seeing peers such as Huawei Technologies blacklisted previously. Luck and Coffee's woes seem to just keep on coming. The scandal-ridden company's battered stock faced a renewed wave of selling on Wednesday after Nasdaq said it planned to delist the one-time market darling that shocked investors with revelations of accounting fraud last month. The Chinese coffee chain shares, which had been suspended since tumbling more than 80% in early April, fell another 33% pre-market Wednesday as trading resumed in New York. Luckin announced Nasdaq's intention to delist the company in a statement on Tuesday, saying shares will remain on the exchange pending the outcome of an appeal hearing. And finally, one man is dancing, or should that be Tootsie sliding or Blueberry Faye going, into his next job. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you clearly are not spending enough time watching TikTok videos. ByteDance has named Kevin Mayer 
the executive who led the Walt Disney Company's streaming business as CEO of its wildly popular short video app TikTok as the fast-rising Chinese unicorn looks to expand its global footprint amid U.S. scrutiny. Mayer will be kept busy as he will also serve as ByteDance chief operating officer responsible for driving the global development of ByteDance as well as overseeing corporate functions including corporate development, sales, marketing, public affairs, security, moderation, and legal. He will also lead the company's music, gaming, and emerging businesses. Let's turn now to Tyson Global Managing Editor Doug Young for a closer look at some of the news this week. Doug, lots of news this week as tensions between the U.S. and China continue to escalate, so I'm sure that's got to be on your mind. Hi, hey, Kaiser. Uh, it's good to be back. Yes, you're right. The tensions between the U.S. and China just seem to keep growing and growing and growing. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of it's coming from the U.S. Uh, and this week, I, I want to look at a, a story that is is really coming from the U.S. Senate. It, it's a, an election year, so it's not that surprising that this stuff is happening. But Again, the the volume, I've been covering this stuff for a long time, and the volume seems to be a bit higher this year than maybe in previous election cycles. So the the story I wanted to talk about this week was the, the U.S. Senate has overwhelmingly passed a bill that a lot of people are saying is directed at China, although I don't think it explicitly says China, uh, but basically companies that list in, in the United States and the bill is basically saying that the company has to be able to prove that it's not controlled by a foreign government. Um, otherwise, it can't list in the United States. And so getting into the nitty gritty a little bit here, what does that mean? How do you prove that you're not controlled by a foreign government? Well, the re the way you do that is by allowing this U.S sort of quasi-government organization called the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, or PCAOB, you basically have to allow them to audit the company that audits you. So if I'm Alibaba, uh, Alibaba has an auditor, and this PCAOB has to be able to audit Alibaba's auditor at least once every three years. So it's, you know, a lot of people are going to say this isn't an impossible task. You know, all is, it's basically, and, and all U.S. companies are, are required to do that right now. So it's basically just saying all Chinese companies should be subject to the same rules as U.S. companies if they're going to list in the U.S., which actually seems quite reasonable to me. Uh, China is one of a handful of countries that has basically refused to comply with this rule and uh, for whatever reason, the U.S. was letting them get away with it for a, a long time. And that's why we have companies like Alibaba and Baidu now trading in the U.S. But this, this Senate bill seems to be saying no more. And of course, this bill needs to also get passed by the U.S. House of Representatives and it would have to be signed by Trump. But it, it sounds like there's definitely movement going in that direction. And how has Beijing reacted so far to this new legislation? Well, it's interesting, actually. This is a good question. Uh, China's reacted publicly one way, but then the sort of backstory here is China has basically been supportive of this 
uh, but sort of in a in a quieter way. So when this was sort of done in this very public way, China, of course, has come out with a, a statement today, in fact, or, or yesterday, um, basically saying it objects to the politici- politic- politicization, uh, however you say that, of um, this kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, this is politics. It's an election year. And I think... I think most people would agree that this is being politicized a little bit. But, you know, again, the the bigger story is this has been happening for a while. The Chinese companies haven't been subject to these rules. Uh, there's all these U.S.-China tensions now. So uh, they seem to be pulling this up, you know, as an election year. I wouldn't even call it a stunt. It's It's been something that's been talked about for a while. Well, as you say, it's been talked about for a while. And the idea that these major accounting firms, Chinese branches, which currently audit these Chinese list codes, uh, should be somehow beyond the reach of U.S. regulators. That's been questioned before, yeah? So give us some background briefly on this, if you could. Okay. Well, the background, uh, and I'll try and be real brief on this, is is that basically uh, Chinese companies haven't been subject to the same level of scrutiny as, as American companies, and it's resulted in these periodic accounting scandals. And I think uh, we just talked last week on the show about the most recent of the scandals, which is actually what I think is probably the impetus for this bill coming up right now when it has, which is uh, Luckin Coffee. <clears throat> and, you know, you had this this cup company that was like this hotshot, fast expanding coffee chain called Luckin, uh, basically admitting to fabricating about half of its sales for for the last three quarters of last year. You know, and that's like a huge fraud. And you really don't see that happening very much with U.S. companies. And the reason is because they have, you know, pretty strict auditing standards. Their their, uh, auditing committees are are usually required to be independent directors rather than company insiders. You know, the auditing committee is composed of your board. Um, And then also they are subject to this this, uh, oversight group that I just mentioned. So uh, Luckin is sort of just thrusting the issue back into the spotlight again. And again, that's why I say China's regulator, on the one hand, is finally waking up to the fact that, gee, this is really not forcing our companies to be subject to these strict rules, is actually undermining confidence in Chinese companies in general. So they, I think they actually support this. But what they don't like is, you know, it being used to sort of hold up and and, and being politicized like this. So for once, it's not quite as bad as it looks at first blush, which is good, I guess. A lot to chew on here, Doug. A lot of things <laughs> for our readers to think, or our listeners to think about. Uh, anyhow, thanks, Kaiser, for having me. Thank you, and I look forward to next week. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to Ufei and Spring and Autumn for the music. Be sure to check out the other shows in the Seneca Network on SubChina. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Take care.